Hillipitch Anselmo here with the Rock and Metal Podcast. Philippe Anselmo with the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast. And we are getting our shit together here on this asshole boat. And yep, I got work to do, and today's my only day to get fucking drunk, so Welcome to the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast with Dr. Fuck and the Ayatollah of Alcohola, Ian Wadley, better known as Wadzilla. So enjoy another awesome, incredible episode of the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast. Bam, 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 diddly D. Yeah, it's Dr. Fuck, and with me is... Oh, yeah! Ian Wadley. All right, now it's time to do the 1990, right? Yes, 1990. Yeah, I know, I know this. Uh, Pantera, Cowboys from Hell, and this was requested by... The great Scott Stein, my buddy, who has yes. traveled, traveled, man, it's it's far, man, wherever the hell he came from. I know he came to see us in Washington, D.C., but I believe he lives somewhere else. And I'm sorry, Scott, if I forgot where he lives. But he traveled hours and hours and hours through the crazy snowy weather to come see us in New York City. And uh, what a guy, man. What a fucking guy. And, uh, yeah, when you told me he wanted to... No, he actually told me at the diner. I met up with him at the diner. And he goes, hey, right. I paid for an episode. And I, and I was like, oh, man, what? You know, because Bushy was there, too. <laughs> and he goes, uh, I'm thinking about Cowboys from Hell. I go, yeah, yeah, let's do that one, dude. <laughs> Fucker. Yeah, I, I asked him uh, right away when he donated. He goes, I don't know. Let me think about it, you know. And then uh, he came up with a good one. Yep. He was, he was like, kind of like, I'm thinking... And I kind of, I kind of let him, you know, influence him. To, hey man, you picked the right one. <laughs> Don't think no more. You know. So yeah, Scott, this is for you, buddy. And I, I think he's a great dude. Uh, and you know, oh, yeah. it, was, it was awesome. I got to hang out with him twice. He's a, yeah, been been there since the beginning, man. He's a lifer. And uh, showed up at the Thrasher Die show with a dime bag shirt on. So there you go. Did he have a dime bag with him? Uh, I wouldn't know. I work for the city, dude. Oh, okay. Well, call me Scott. Not my <laughs> thing. I don't I'm smoke. Stupid. I don't smoke weed, Mister Big Brother from the city of Miami Beach that's listening right now. Thank you. <laughs> and uh, all right, all right. I gotta tell you how I discovered this. No, I'm not like Ruben De La Rosa. I love that guy. Who actually owned power metal before when it was new that guy goes back you know no 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 actually no 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 he knew him through he knew them during projects in the jungle what yeah and i'll tell you how because ruben Ruben is an extremely uh nut swinger when it comes to fucking shredders and dimebag was actually featured in uh, you know, Guitar Magazine has a spotlight thing every right. month. And right. he, he subscribed to that magazine. And Dimebag, at what, 16 or something, whatever age he was at that time, was on spotlight. And Ruben, like, looked into it. You know, looked into Dimebag and I believe got Project in the Jungle way back then. 
Nice. So he knew Projects, I'm the Night, and uh, Power Metal. But uh, he owns Power Metal because I saw that shit at his house. I mean, he was into Pantera way before Cowboys. I did not know Ruben until 2000. What what medium did he have it on? Was it cassette, CD, vinyl? I believe cassette. Had? The Power Metal cassette. Oh. I'm not wow. sure if he had Projects in the Jungle. I know he, he knew of them back then. He must have right. got it somehow. Maybe he threw a tape trader. I don't know. But, yeah, I believe he has... I could be wrong, man. But I think... Because, you know, I smoke too much weed. I'm kidding, big brother! And, but, uh, <laughs> I'm kidding! I'm kidding! Anyway, so... Uh, yeah, yeah, so... I didn't know Pantera till Headbangers Ball showed Cowboys from Hell. That's when I discovered them. And then I saw Pantera... I had a dime bag experience. I don't think I've ever said this on the show, but I actually yeah. met Dimebag. Yeah, I, th I think you did, but tell it again. I love it. I uh, love the story. They were playing with Ratchild America, opening for Ratchild yeah. America, actually. And yeah, I went, it was an opening? I heard that was a co-headline. Uh, I don't think so, as far as I remember. I mean, they only had one album, and as, as memory serves me correct, they did not play nothing from Power Metal that night. Uh, I, I kind of remember they just played, but they played songs that night that they never played again. Uh, and I'll talk about those songs when we get to that. But uh, and some of my favorites, you know, there's there's a couple like top ten Pantera songs on this album that was never played again. You know, after this album. But oh, I imagine I was uh, Button South was a cool little club. If you hung out in the back, you'd always see the bands coming in. Uh, so me and my buddy Nick who's missing. Nick Brote, B-R-O-T-E. Somebody out there who's a prior investigator, please find him. Uh, and um, <clears throat> I know he's a liar too, by the way. And um, we're hanging out in the back drinking like we always did. You know, yeah. waiting, for, waiting for the bands to show up. But no, no. What happens? Dimebag comes out with some with a roadie and he had a tray full of little shot glasses of uh black tooth yes and he came out to drink with us black tooth. and of course like even people that aren't that weren't aware of pantera just like surrounded the guy so it was like my experience with dimebag wasn't really like a one-on-one -on -one. i didn't even say a word to the guy but i shook his hand and i had a drink you know and that was that's my dimebag story the guy actually came out with drinks for all of us what a cool, nice. and, and it was kind of early too, <laughs> which is so cool. Uh, and uh, I met Rex too briefly, and I saw him, and I shook his hand too. Was, uh, he, was he cool? When I met Rex, he was, he was kind of a dick. No, actually, he was very cool. And if you look at the video video of uh, Phil Anselmo uh, doing the intro to the Rock and Metal Combat podcast, Rex got in the video. You remember that? He just walked oh. into it. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And he's like, nah, nah, nah. You know, he was really yeah, nice. Yeah, 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 I love that. Yeah. yeah. No, I think I just met him on a bad day. And, you know, I tried to take that shit into consideration. Uh, I've had very few bad experiences. You know, the, the Peter Chris one scarred me right. uh, more than all the others. But, uh, uh, you know, anybody can have a bad day. So. That's right. If you want to hear Peter Chris's uh, story of being just breeze through all of them. It's on one of those episodes. Yeah. So start right now after Terrence left. 
So, uh, yeah, so, because I know you said it after Terrence left. Anyway, so, uh, yeah, that's uh, my Pantera. And I and I have seen every single Pantera show tour from Cowboys Up, I'm proud to say. I have not missed one. How did you discover Pantera? Uh, well, I, I discovered them through a couple of high school friends. Well, specifically, uh, my friend Bo Handy. But him and Matt Beeson... Uh, they were a year older than me, but they were always looking for the underground. Uh, you, you know, it's kind of one of those, you know, when you're younger, you want to be cool, you want to know the shit nobody knows about, and then when that gets big, they would abandon it and go find the new underground. And uh, and Bo lent me a copy of uh, Cowboys from Hell, and I'll never forget what really struck me about it. And, I, you know, I was hesitant, hesitant because... You know, I'm still, for the most part, listening to cock rock, but, you know, slowly getting into thrash, but more like Metallica, you know, easier shit to get into. But I'll never forget, he let me borrow the CD, and when I opened it up, and, and, and the original CD, if you remember, it's black and pink. Yeah, with Phil on the actual CD. Yeah, and I just thought it was so striking, because I was like, pink? This is metal. Yeah. But it looked really cool. But I, I just, I'll never forget the visual of that, though. I'm like, this is, that's a cool looking fucking CD. I mean, and CDs were still relatively new to begin with. But then I put it in, and I was like, wow, this is really neat because uh, I, I think this is a great, you know, bridge gap for that time, and it really helped me get more into thrash because there was so much different stuff on this album and like I said I was slowly getting into the thrash but when I really got into this one it really helped me understand thrash as a whole like within a couple months I'm back into Slayer you know and I'm listening to other stuff that initially when I listened to it it just sounded like noise and I, I think another great thing about this was, was Vinnie Paul's drumming because besides like the vocals and everything the hardest thing for me when I first tried to get into thrash was the drumming. Because so much of it was bang, 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 bang. It wasn't a rhythm. You know, it was almost like a constant, like, da 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 And that drove me fucking nuts. But this had a groove to it. But it was still, it was heavy. It was way heavier than most of the shit I was listening to. But it would go back and forth, you know, and there would be, like, you know, parts that were so heavy, and then there would be parts like, Hey, this sounds like Judas Priest, you know, and 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 I was just like, man, this is amazing, and uh, you know, I quickly bought you know my own copy of of uh, Cowboys from Hell, and I saw them. I didn't actually see them on the Cowboys tour. I don't think you would really call it that, but I saw them before Vulgar came out. Technically, was, technically, dude, you saw the Cowboys tour because. Yeah. You know, when, when an album doesn't come out yet, you still got to count it as Cowboys. You know what I mean? Yeah. So yeah, that so Skid Row show, I take it yeah. as a... Even though they did play two songs, I don't know what song they played for you. Right. Uh, but they played Fucking Hostile and Mouth for War. And they played Pussy Type. Do you remember if they played that for you? See, at, at that time, I, I you know, I was thinking about this today. I'm trying to think of the songs they played that first time I saw them. And I believe... The first time I saw them, I think I saw them twice before Vulgar. 
but it was like right before it was released. But I think the first was opened up for Skid Row, and like I, I, I didn't have Power Metal yet. But what's funny is looking back in hindsight, I remember when I first got into metal, I saw, I think it was in Metal Edge, they had, there was an ad for Power Metal, and I looked at it and laughed because they looked so goofy. Even, you know, at the time when bands dressed like that, they just didn't look right or natural dressed up like that, you know, the cover of Power Metal. But I'll never forget that and just looking at it like laughing. Um, and I, I think it probably, you know, I know it definitely wasn't like Hip Parader. It was one of those ones like one page would be glossy, the next page would be black and white. And that's kind of how Metal Edge used to be. Until it went full on, until, you know, eventually Metal Edge turned into Tiger Beat, you know, and it was all glossy and pictures of Jenny Lane. But, uh, uh, but yeah, man, when I got into them, I was just like, holy shit. And I felt, you know, and my best friend, we, we really got into them. And we felt like we had something that was our own. Because uh, at the time, you really didn't see them that much on Headbangers Ball. And not a lot of people knew about them. So it was like our little secret. And man, is this band cool? And how different are they? And uh, man, just what an amazing band. And I, what I find really disturbing now is, you know, there's like this uh, this hatred for Pantera that didn't exist in the 90s. At least not nobody that I knew hated Pantera. Everybody loved Pantera. E even people that, you know, were kind of just into it, but not fully. Oh, yeah, Pantera's. You know, that's, that's cool shit. You know, and now there's this like, oh, like Pantera's... Responsible for this, responsible for that. Well, you know, also another thing I've noticed, a lot of people that hate Pantera weren't around them either. You notice you know, it, a lot of those little marks. There is a lot of older people. And, and, and that's something, that, you know, I wanted to bring up, you know, too, and I, and I wanted to ask you, uh, you know, because, you know, I don't know if you noticed it, like, during their heyday, but, it, you know, it really seemed to come to light after. And, like, you know, is this just, like, the whiny, bitchy, you know, like, corn culture, like, they have to, uh, you know, like, sometimes people can't like what their parents liked, or, you know, it's like, they're just trying to legitimize the crap they listen to and say the past is bullshit, which I don't get, but I saw that in other generations, but, like, my generation, we embraced earlier metal. You know, we're like, oh, this is great, you know, this is the Founding Fathers, and we loved it just as much as the new shit. We didn't hate it. We didn't say, oh, this is dad metal. We're like, oh, my God, this is, you know, these are the the, the godfathers. And, and we embraced it. It was cool to listen to. And not only with metal, but with classic rock. I mean, all my friends, we loved, you know, the Stones and, and, and the Beatles and what came before. And we loved, you know, the earlier metal. We loved Kiss. You know, we loved Black Sabbath. We loved you know, Ted Nugent, all that shit. It wasn't dad metal. It wasn't uncool. It was like, hey, you know, these are the godfathers. You know, this is, you know, it, it was, we were bowing down to them. We weren't, you know, snubbing our, our, our nose at them. Well, it, it, it is kind of the same now how we were. I mean, it's a little worse, too, at the same time. But there's a lot of people that I even know one guy that uses the term dad metal quite a bit, and I actually... That's where I came up. When he came up to me with dad metal, I said, 
dad metal rules and what you like is still living in, in your parents' house metal. Right. Which is true. That's what, you know, people that say dad metal, 99.9 .9 of them still live with their parents. So you like, I'm still living with my parents' metal. Uh, in most cases, I'm still living with my single mom metal. Right. My single or, mom, my single whore mom metal. Or, 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 you know, another thing I like to call it is hot topic metal. You know, like yeah. Avenged Sevenfold. And there you go. Well, uh, Bl Black Veil Brides. Yeah, but I, like I, I, these people that that say dad metal me hate those bands too. Uh, there, you know, I'm talking about the more brutal, you know, melodic death metal and. Oh yeah, where where if you can read the name of the band, they're not cool. I don't like melodic death metal. I don't like it. It's like, to me, death metal needs to be dirty and ugly and just melodic death metal. Just I've what? listened to it and none of it does anything. For me. Well, what the fuck is melodic death metal? Give me an example. One band that to me is like have the death metal thing, but there is melody, and I love, love, love the first album, is In Flames. Uh, their album, Jest, uh, Jester's Race, is such that, a great album. That's considered death metal? Melodic. Okay. I, no, no, I may be wrong, because I know there's a lot yeah. of melodic death metal bands now. I mean, and, I mean, I think I've heard of a few of theirs, and I just thought it sounded more more like, you know, newer thrash. No, it sounded, it sounded to me like death uh, death metal, Iron Maiden style, Iron Maiden death metal, kind of, you know. Oh, uh, I, I you know who makes me feel good? Nightbeat. All that remains, yes, yes. There you go. All that remains. That's that to me is more of a uh, yeah. of a I, melodic death metal I, band. I, I, I I've heard of the band. I I, I don't know them. Um, but uh, you 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 definitely put a smile on my face with fucking Night Demon, and now I'm so kicking myself in the ass for not going to that show. Oh, wow. they came with um, with with Anvil, but it was like on a fucking Wednesday night, and I was like, ah, fuck, you know. And and I just they 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 play at this awesome club that's here, but I I know how this club is, and they're, you know, you know, the show would have went on to like two in the morning, right? And and it's like I'm thinking about going to Testament tomorrow, but see the 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 prong sepulture of Testament is at House of Blues. So that has to be over by eleven. I think the doors open at that show for like like six o'clock. Oh, uh, you know, you know who I would consider melodic death metal that you do know of, uh, Amana Marth. Oh, no, oh, that sucks. Uh, I, I don't really hate them, but the, you uh, know, but I'm trying to uh, think like you know, uh, you know those bands, dude, that have those long like you know, all that remains like you know, those long titles. Um, God, man, like, you know, Beneath the Sun or some bullshit like that, you know? There's a lot of, like, yeah, I, I would consider Children of Bodom kind of like a melodic death metal band. Oh. And, you know, uh, Deathlock, you know them? Devil Death Driver? Lock. Devil Driver? De Devil Driver, I actually don't mind. Yeah, they're, they're, they're kind of melodic death metal in a way. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I don't mind some Devil Driver, but Amada Marth, oh my God. Yeah, I don't mind them. I mean, I don't. They're amazing live. I like. They're they're more of a live thing for me, you know. Kind of like uh, this band, uh, uh, the band Goat Horse. Amazing live band. Oh, I love Goat Horse. Did uh, did did an ID for a show. Soil Work. There you go. You ever heard of Soil Work? I've heard of them. They're all coming back to me now. I'm thinking of all these bands, but all these bands I'm mentioning, I kind of like, except for Devil Driver. I didn't like it all. But Scar Cemetery. Remember them? 
Never heard of that. All right, let's stop talking about it. Shadows Fall. There you go. I love Sh- Shadows Fall to me is like the new wave of uh, thrash. Uh, well, to get back to it, you know, uh, the, the the hate for Pantera, I first noticed, and I don't know if that website is still up, and this is going back to 1999-2000. There was a website called Pantera Sucks. Wow. And, yeah, and, and you go on there, and all it had, like, you know, a lot of pictures of the hair metal Pantera, Glantera, and how they're posers. And, but, you yeah. know, I mean, a lot, you know, I, you could pinpoint some songs, like, you know, she ain't got nothing on but the radio and ride my rocket is like very cheesy ball hair metal. But dude, they had songs like Down Below and Killer that was just traditional metal that was Judas Priestish, you know. But um, yeah, there is a lot of hate. There's a lot of hate in my circle for Pantera. Did you know the original lineup of Thrasher Die? I was the only guy I liked them. I mean, other other than the drummer. Yeah, well, that that's why that lineup didn't last. The drummer. Of the original Thrasher Die, he didn't like Pantera at all, but he respected them at least. He said, "Well, I respect what they did, but I'm just not a fan." But my guitar player, oh my God, I'll never forget the time. And this is actually, if you listen to Doctor Fuck Show, this is like the original Doctor Fuck Show where we had a little talk show where he yeah, actually I'm- said on the show, he's like, "I'm really ashamed to be your friend that you like Pantera." He actually said that. To me. See, see, I, I, I would smack the shit out of somebody. I, I really would. I would really, I would really smack the shit out of somebody who said that. Cause that's, that's just stupid. I, I'm sorry. You know, the, the only good thing about people who, who rag on Pantera, is their mothers give really good head. Wow. You know, cause you, you, you know they come from shitty family. They were raised like shit. If you don't like Pantera, to me, saying you don't like Pantera, is saying you don't like fucking Black Sabbath. Or you don't like real Van Halen. To me, it, it's it's just that clean cut that this is a band above. You know, this is a band that is moving metal into the future, that has something to say, that has a new, unique sound, that actually elevates the genre. I mean, there are so many, with any scene, there, there, there's, there's innovators and there's imitators. And, and these guys were definitely innovators kept metal alive at a time when it was so uncool to be fucking metal. They were unabashed metal, proud of it, had number one fucking albums uh, without losing any bit of integrity. And if anything, they got harder as they went along, not fucking softer like 90% of bands do. Well, I, I I gotta tell you what you just said now. There may be a Pantera hater listening, like yelling, saying a certain thing, like if we don't know what we're talking about. Well, let me explain some dipshit. I don't feel like they really ripped off X Hoarder. Because I know I know people are, they talk about innovative, they ripped off X Hoarder. Look, the law, I don't think, to tell you the truth, and I love Slaughter in the Vatican, amazing album. I don't think oh, that yeah. really sounds like fucking Pantera to me. The law did, but, and you know, and then there's a picture of the Cowboys era where Phil's wearing an X Hoarder shirt. I believe well, they were from New Orleans. So they, oh, yes. they ripped off the X Hoarder sound. Dude, I'm sorry. A Pantera did it. I'll take any Pantera album over, over fucking Song of the Vatican, but especially over the Law, which I don't hate the Law, but Song of the Vatican's way better. Right, and I never, you know, I had heard Exorder, Exorder, but I didn't really know like the whole like drama till I moved to New Orleans, you know. And in here, there, I mean. In New Orleans, there's a big, you know, people either love or hate Philly or New Orleans. 
and it, it's kind of split. And I saw Exhorter, and I met Kyle Thomas, the lead singer, who's in uh, Trouble now. He's a lead singer for Trouble. Real nice guy. But uh, I saw a show, uh, I saw Crowbar and Exhorter. was an amazing show when uh, they got back together for a brief while. Uh, you know, but yeah, that's a big thing here in New Orleans. But I, I think what it really comes down to, and you kind of hit the nail on the head, I love, love Slaughter of the Vatican. And I like the law as well. But I think what it comes down to is songs and the musicianship. I just think Pantera were a notch above. Now, was there influence? You bet your fucking ass. Uh, you know, but but Phil changed the band completely as it was. I, I mean, you, you cannot take anything away from the musicianship in Pantera. But that that heavier influence that Paul that uh, that Phil brought to the band uh, is is undeniable, and they they never would have sounded like they did without Phil. A hundred percent true. Phil really changed the direction, but there was help from Kerry King, because oh, I yeah. I recently saw an interview with uh, with uh, Phil talking about where you know Kerry King and I think Jeff Hanneman went up on stage and jammed with them. You know, and they learned Rain and Blood or something. They did it for Phil, whatever. But then Kerry right. King gave Phil a call, like months later, going, "Hey man, I'm coming to Texas. I want to jam." So then uh, he taught Dime like South of Heaven and a couple other things, and that's what changed Dime right there. Oh but, yeah, but it was because of Phil, you know. But yeah, but Kerry yeah. King was very instrumental in that. Oh, I, I saw that too, and you know when they first got with them. You know, Dime was kind of hesitant to the thrash. I mean, he liked he liked Metallica and stuff like that, but he was more about it to like, you know, yeah. the Van Halen Van kind Halen, of thing. Yeah, yeah. And 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 but but you know, supposedly through working with Kerry, he got a greater appreciation for thrash, and and, and it did change his sound. And but you know, and another thing that that can't be uh, ignored is what a presence. Uh, Phil and Selma was on stage. Well, I, I gotta tell you, man, my my four favorite frontmen, David Lee Roth, Dee Snyder, Phil and Selma, and myself. Hey, and I and I'll, I'll back that up. Yeah. I mean, uh, I'm up there, bro. You know, and I'll, I'll never forget when I saw him. Uh, it was uh, the first time I saw him on the uh, Southern Trendkill tour, and it was. Uh, it was uh, Deftones, White Zombie, and uh, and Pantera headlining. And uh, <laughs> Deftones at the time had a shirt that was it was kind of rip off of Metallica. That you know the D and the S were shaped like Metallica. And he took the shirt and he goes, Ah, it looks like a Metallica shirt. And then he wipes his ass with it. Yeah. And he's see, like, he, he's yeah. like, he's like, did you hear that new album? He goes, fucking sad, ain't it? You know, yeah. and th- this was you know, this was around look. And I was like, hell yeah, because I felt so let down by that. And at this time, Pantera just keeps getting heavier and heavier. And here they are, you know, they were headlining a huge theater, you know, a huge, uh, you know, venue. You know, I started seeing them, uh, you know, I saw them open at a huge venue, but then I saw them in clubs as well. And then now, you know, they're selling out, up, you know, same place I saw ACDC, you know, and it was just like the presence he had. You know, it is like like a thrash David Lee Roth. I mean, he would he was entertaining, he was funny, he was I mean, he just held you 
in the palm of his hand the way that I think few can. And, you know, when I think of Phil, I think of people like Ozzy. I think of people like David Lee Roth. I, I mean, I mean, he makes Axl Rose look like fucking Bret Michaels. I'm sorry. That's, that's the fucking truth. And I, I don't hate Axl, but I'm saying, you know, why Axl's like, eh, on a piano and all this shit. No. He was the real deal Holyfield. You know, he was right there, and, and, and you felt it, and you knew it when you were at a Pantera concert. And it was just fucking, for the people who weren't there, I mean, the bands I've seen the most in my life are Ozzy, I mean, if you add up, like, solo shows of Black Sabbath, Ozzy, Kiss, and Pantera, I've seen more than any other band. And, I mean, it's just, you had to be there, and I miss it so much, and I'm... You know, I've seen Down a bunch of times. I've seen, uh, you know, Phil Solo. <laughs> if you go on, on YouTube, you can hear me screaming during a solo show right by my house. Uh, but, man, there's nothing like those Pantera shows and the, and the fucking aura and the feeling and the celebration. I mean, it really was a celebration, especially in the 90s. Because, you know, like you've often said, uh, you know, the metal shows got smaller but the people who were there, it's like it weeded out all the fake motherfuckers. You know, it, we, it weeded out all the girls who were there for the ballads. It weeded out the, you know, oh, they're just there because it's on MTV. What you were left with were people who still loved metal yep. and refused to give up on metal. So even though it was smaller in scale, it was more intimate. And, and you could feel it when you went to these shows. You know, you would just go up and talk to people, and you would have an instant bond. Because if you were at these shows in the 90s, you you had a common thread. You, you, you know, radio had left you. MTV had left you. All you were left with was your, your love of metal. You, you know, so you'd go to any show, and you would make instant friends. Because, hey, man, these were dire times, and here we all are, you know, to fucking rock out. It was... You, you know, sometimes you'll look at it as being, oh, that that was a shitty time. But, in, in, you know, if you look at it like that, you realize how special it was. Because you were all part, you, you were you were the real motherfuckers. You know? And, and It was always special to go to one of those shows and see somebody you knew from the 80s, too. I mean, my, my buddy, and I got to give him a shout out, Morbid Mario. Now, there are some people that I remember, like, Morbid Mario is like the second wave. Because Morbid Mario, you know, because I'm old as fuck, but Morbid Mario came in during the during the thrash scene. But he's a big death metal fan. But he was at Judas Priest at the club, Dio at the club. I mean, he stuck to it. Like, and I noticed like a lot of people from the death metal scene never, ever, like fucking waned. And and a lot of them were at those classic metal shows where oh, it's yeah. unfortunate because a lot of the death metal fans now won't even give traditional a chance. They were there to experience the traditional. The traditional got them into it. Thrash got them really into it, and then they got into the death metal. You know what I mean? It, it, I mean, and you said something right there that was uh, that that makes me sick to my stomach, but I'm glad I'm there. We saw Judas Priest in a club. Yeah. In and a club. I saw Dio in a club, too. I saw, I saw Dio in a club, too. The first time I saw... Well... Uh, well, shit, this is even worse. The first time I saw Black Sabbath, Dehumanizer was in a club. Wow. I mean, it was a it was a big club in Chicago. I mean, it was at the Aragon Ballroom. You know, that's where 
uh, Strangers in the Night was recorded. I mean, it's legendary, but it was still a club. But I saw, I saw Dio at the fucking House of Blues. I saw fucking Judas Priest twice at the House of Blues. Judas fucking Priest. I saw in a fucking club. You know, I could have fucking touched any one of them, and and it was beautiful and sad at the same time because I grew up watching like you know the the Fuel for Fire VHS where I'm watching the Turbo Tour and there's like you know thousands of people in this huge thousands of setup. fucking trendy fucks right but you you know what I'm saying though I grew up I grew up watching all these VHSs in the 80s like when I was too young to go to a show you know and I was just like wow this is metal look at all this but by the time I was actually old enough to go to shows it it started going back into the clubs and I was like, God damn, I want the dragon. You know, I want the fucking giant robot. I want all this shit. But I'm seeing them in a club, but it didn't matter because the music was still there. And that's what's most important. But if I, the thing I miss the most is I didn't get to see the productions you saw at the 80s. In, in, you know, in these huge arenas. You know, at the very tail end, I you know, I got to see, but you're talking like you know, late nine, uh, late eighties, early nineties. But by the time I'm old enough to drink and party, everybody I loved was in a fucking club. Like it was a, like you know, like it was a shameful, dirty secret. You know, and uh, but like I say, man, th- that was real metal, heavy yeah, metal, was, motherfucker. And and if you wanted to go to a big metal show, go see Pantera. But, you know, and another yeah. thing I want to bring up, uh, you talked about that Southern Trent Hill. They did the same thing here, even though it wasn't, uh, it wasn't, da- what is it? Who was it that opened your show? It, it, it was Death Tones, that White Zombie. It was, I, it was a co- co-head, I mean, White Zombie. Yeah, 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 and, I saw that. I saw yeah. White Zombie and Pantera and I Hate God open that show. And it was at the, oh, Miami, yeah. it was at the Miami Arena. But yeah, the, I've, I've, the, seen, I've seen posters for here, and it was I Hate God here, too. But, but the, I saw that in Chicago. But the Miami Arena was kind of like uh, cut in half. But still, it was packed, but it was cut in wow. half. I mean, they didn't fill up Miami Arena. But then oh. they played the West Palm Beach Auditorium, which is like an arena oh, yeah. kind of downsized. But they played there on uh, Far Beyond Driven, and the, they came back on the live album. They even toured for that live album. Yeah, live. yeah. But Phil, Phil did say that night. He said, Metallica, low. They let you down, didn't they? They let you down. We never going to fucking let you down. We're metal. We'll always be fucking metal. Fuck MTV. Fuck alternative music. We are yeah. the alternative music now. Yeah. That was so fucking awesome, dude. It was a beautiful... Well, well, beautiful even thing. the name, the, the Great Southern Tread Kill. Yeah. I mean, that's what it was. It's like... You know, fuck this grunge. You know, fuck Metallica wearing fucking $10,000 suits smoking cigars with eyeshadow on. They're like, we are the real fucking shit. And they were. Yep. You know? Yeah, they were, man. And uh, you got, and, and, and and if anybody ever says, oh, fuck Pantera, this and that, I'm like, you know, I don't care what you think. You're a fucking idiot. I mean, I can understand the point of not liking the music. Because there's a lot of bands, I don't like the music, but I'm not just going to sit there and make websites and just go out of my way on Facebook. Yeah, there's people but, that go in my chat room. Oh, but, my God, Panterrible. But, I, I mean, you you got to admit, there's certain bands that are just so good. I mean, there's bands that I like. 
that I admit I can see why people don't like them. Okay, I can get it. It's really not that good, but there's some reason I like this band. Be it a, be it a special memory or you know one song's catchy, but I know it's not that good. But for some reason I like it. And then to me, there's some bands that are just undeniable. And I got into it with the uh, poor little Alvin Flipson. Uh, I don't know if you saw this on her Facebook page. Uh, there was a thing, you know, what, what bands do you think are overrated? Oh yeah, I saw that in your reply. He said Black Sabbath. He said Black Sabbath, and then on Bill Wang's page, they had a "What's better, Too Fast for Love or Fair Warning?" He picked fucking Too Fast for Love. I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? I'm like, kid, what kind of drugs are you fucking on? He's a kid, though. He's. I, I mean, yeah, but I mean, I'm like, I don't, I don't, I don't care if you like Motley Crue, great. But really, how can you compare Fair Warning and Too Fast for Love? Even if if you love Motley Crue, how how can you listen to both of those? If you have any bit of fucking taste, and how can you say Black Sabbath is overrated? I mean, that is the foundation of what all of this music we love is based on. No Black Sabbath, I'm sorry. No fucking metal. Yeah, but I'll tell you one thing. He said... Black Sabbath, a couple people commented, I said Iron Maiden, and I was attacked. And it's like, shut up. I can say what I want. I love Iron Maiden, but I feel like, and I made it clear, I love the first five Iron Maiden. I feel like everything they've done after is overrated, but that's my opinion. Now, right. anybody, anybody that can say to me, later Iron Maiden is better than the early shit, even the Dickinson early shit, it's kind of like, bro, go listen to Yes, dude, seriously. Right. Um, but, you're, but, not metal, yeah. you're not fucking metal, dude. And I can understand liking the later shit, liking metal, that's fine. But you cannot tell me that later shit is better than the fucking early shit. It's just... No. No, unless you're not into metal. Yeah. That's the way I look at it. It's not a, 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 a thing about personal taste and, oh, I got superior taste. No, it has to do with, dude, how can you listen to something like... I'll even throw in Bruce Dickinson shit, like, you know, Ace is High. And tell me, like, The Wicker Man is better. You know, right. or, or or fucking uh, Where Eagle's There and tell me that The Final Frontier is better. Come on. Right, and, I, and, I'll, and I'll sit there and I'll tell you, I like The Wicker Man. But does that compare to Aces High? No fucking way. Doesn't mean I don't like Wicker Man. But, I mean, I mean, you'd have to be a fucking fool to say that it's better. Yeah, because the, the bottom line is, I like, I'm a heavy metal fan, and Iron Maiden was heavy metal. They're not metal anymore. I'm sorry. And there is some stuff I appreciate from the prog. I love Book of Souls, that song, and it's proggy. I like, you know, the Benjamin whatever. It's proggy. I can appreciate some of it, you know, but it's the early Iron Maiden. It's so, it's so heavy metal. And for somebody to say that, you know, the later stuff, and I'm not even talking about Seven Sun and, and, and Somewhere in Time, because I know a lot of people love that shit. And it is much more prog than Eric said, but I'll give them a pass for that. But fuck it, afterwards, after, after, from Fear in the Dark on, anybody that considers Fear in the Dark on their <laughs> best album, Josh Carlson, all I can say is, you're not a fucking metal fan, dude. You're more... You're a metal fan, but you're more casual, and you're more prone to the prog. Thank you. Right. All right. Either that or, yeah, or you're yeah. just trying to be edgy. <laughs> exactly. Fear the dark. Jesus Christ. Weekend warrior. 
right, so let's. <laughs> let, I mean, that song alone would have been on fucking Peace of Mind. It would have made me hate Peace of Mind. <laughs> I, 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 hey, I, I like Weekend Warrior, but I can see that on a Bang Tango album too. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, man, it's just terrible. But uh, well, let's say let, let's uh, let's get Scott what he paid for, man. Let's get into the yes. album already. Yes, We've I know with, Scott's loving this shit too. Yeah, I know, I know, and so everybody else is too, because it is a metal discussion, and it is a pant. It's everything we just talked about goes back to Pantera. But yes. uh, the first song, "Cowboys from Hell," oh, the first song I ever heard from them on Headbangers Ball, I was blown the fuck away by the video. First thing that grabbed me was that guitar sound. It was different. It was a little more razor sharp I'd say I would say it was like it was crunchy but still sharp and and Phil screaming vocals and and that insane guitar solo it was like instant love love at first sight it was a must go to the very next morning to get my hands on this CD song and when I did they became instantly my favorite new band, even though they weren't new at the time, but I didn't know. I didn't know right. there was anything before Pantera, uh, Cowboys for Hell when I bought this album. It wasn't until, I don't know, maybe months later I, I realized they were around for a while. But, oh man, and that album, like that year, I would have to say up there, or maybe the best album of that year, of 1990, my favorite album. That, and also the self-titled Trouble album. Ooh, I love that album too. Those were my two, the two I played the most that year, um, as far as I can remember. Maybe there were a few more that I loved too from that year, but those two, oh, and, I, oh, I, and I, rest, I in, rest in that, peace I mean, and pain. I, mean, I, I need to check that Trouble album out. That I've Trouble, so dude, that Trouble it. album you will worship because you're a big fan of uh, of Orchid, even yeah. though they're not as doomy as Orchid, but they're right. catchy as fuck. Oh yeah, the self-titled Trouble album is. Me, hands down, their best album. And I love Psalm 6-9. I mean, uh, Psalm, what is it? Psalm, Psalm 9. I Psalm think. 9 is like, oof. It's very close to that one. But it, right. the thing is that um, that one's produced better because that was before uh, Rick Rubin would lay down. Right, <laughs> exactly. But yeah, I love it. Cowboys from Hell. What an introduction to this band. I mean, oh my God. It was like strategically done well. And with on Echo Records, which... All I know about Echo is those early ACDC albums. Right. You know, but right. anyway, yeah, I love it. What do you think of Cowboys from Hell? Oh, oh, hell yeah. You, you know, and, and it's funny you talk about them being on Echo because, uh, you know, Dimebag said they got turned down like 28 times by the major labels, and it was only due to a hurricane that the guy from Echo Records was, was still in uh, Texas. Yeah. And his boss told him, he said, hey, while you're there, check out this band. Like, you wouldn't even give the, di the guy a day off during a hurricane. He's like, hey, while you're there, go do this. And, and the guy said by the first song, he was like, holy shit, you know, and from the musicianship. And uh, he told me, he goes, we got to sign these guys. And I'll never forget, like I said, I opened up, you know, the CD, Bo Let Me Borrow, and put it in my CD player. And uh, wow, just hear that. And I mean, it's just—it's so heavy, but accessible at the same time, and and just powerful, man. And, and what 
it, it's kind of a bridge like we talked about when we did the Metal Church album. You know, it wasn't like full-blown thrash, but it was still, you know, heavier than other shit that was out at the time. <clears throat> and that's kind of how this was. I mean, there was definitely shit that was heavier or maybe faster, but this just had a groove to it, you know? And, and that's a lot of people bitch about, oh, groove metal. But, you, you, you know, you can't get mad at fucking Pantera for bands that, like, did shitty versions of it, you know? You can't you can't get mad at Pantera because of Five Finger Death Punch. I don't like any but, band that ripped off Pantera. Especially, even those songs, we talked about this. I love S.O.D., but that Bigger Than Devil song pisses me off because it's so groovy. It's like, dude, yeah. it's, it's not you guys. Right. Well, I mean, I, I love that song, but I mean, I mean, there's a lot of bands that try to do... Oh, you my know, God, yeah, the breakdown. Yeah, the breakdown. That stuff. You hear me? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, now I can hear it. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I mean, these guys, you know, while they didn't necessarily invent the breakdown, they definitely perfected it, you know? And, uh, oh, my God, once I heard this, I was hooked. And, and anybody I played it for liked it, you know, even people that were into, like, lighter music. Because my best friend in high school uh, was a jock, and a lot of the jock, you know, my, my best friend listened to metal, but a lot of the other guys didn't, you know, they, you know, they listened to top 40 shit. But even they liked it. Like, oh man, this has got a groove that, you know, everybody's bobbing their head and like, fuck, yeah. And, uh, man, I mean, I mean, thank, thankfully, this is one that, uh, you know, kept lasting in their set list, you know, until the end. Uh, there wasn't a lot from this album that made it past this tour, but this is definitely one of them. And that, I love, uh, I love the fact that Dime wore a British steel shirt in that video. Yeah, and oh, he yeah. and he had that necklace with a big fucking razor. That's so. Cool. Oh yeah, I mean he was he was so in love with Judas Priest, and uh, you know I, I remember uh, you know when when he started Damage Plan, there was an interview with Phil. And, uh, you know, they were talking about him getting uh, Pat Lackman, I think is how you pronounce his last name. Yeah. Uh, you know, and he goes, you know, he was laughing that, you know, he had played with Halford in the Halford band. He goes, I knew he would get somebody that sounded like Halford or, you know, had something to do with Halford just because he was so in love with Judas Priest. But, but Phil's vocals on this, you will never hear Phil sound like this again. Nope. Uh, you know, and that, and that's that's the beautiful thing, and it, it's sad. To say, I mean, Phil be the first to tell you, he can't sing like this anymore. Won't even won't, won't even attempt it. Yeah. <laughs> you, you, you know, but on this album, there's so many mi moments where it's classic Phil, like he still sounds to this day. But man, there's all those Halford S screams, and like, oh man, it's it is so good because it is. It is a bridge between what they were and what they were becoming. And, uh, you know, like I said earlier, I think, you know, Vulgar by far is like the first one for the true sound. But this one, man, is, is that fucking bridge that I would love to get stuck on. Because I tell you, they could every other album they did could have sounded like this, and I would have been happy. You know, but they did it, man. They persevered and changed the same way Sabbath did. And, and I love that. And, a lot uh, of people, a lot of people I know that don't like Pantera do like this album. Actually. 
Wow. Well, yeah. uh, you know, oh, I, I like Cowboys from Hell. That's it. Or Power Metal on Cowboys from Hell. Yeah, well, well, if, if that's, it, it's because they, they have a fucking vajayjay, they don't have a fucking cock. Well, at least they like yeah. Cowboys from Hell. At least they have something. Right, right, but you know what I mean? It's like they couldn't take the heavier shit. Yeah. Like, uh, like I remember Justin Childers, uh, you know, he, he can't handle Far Beyond Driven. <laughs> and now, and now I remember the first time I heard Far Beyond Driven, I was taken aback even. Because I was like, God really? damn. Uh, I, I, I didn't hate it, but I was like, holy fuck is this fucking heavy. You know, it's like, like, like I, when Bobber came out, I don't, th- I didn't think anybody could, anything could get as heavy and like chuggy as that. I mean, it was so perfect. And the first time I heard, and I'm not talking about the singles, but I'm talking about, I listened to it as a whole, you know, I was like, wow, it was so heavy. It blew my fucking mind. But I mean. You know, by the second or third time I, I got, I listened to it, I was like, I get this. I mean, they're taking it to the next fucking level, you know, and I love it. But, like, that was too heavy for for, for fucking uh, Childers. I, I, well, the first time I heard um, Far Beyond Driven, I, man, I got it right when it came out. I mean, especially like that first song, which still to this day is my favorite Fantasia song. Strength, strength Beyond Strength. My yeah. favorite song by them. But uh, once I heard that song, I was like, fuck. And I said this on our episode. I played it for my friend. And he goes, I put, I put it on and he goes to me, dude, play the first track. I go, that is the first track. He's like, what? They start the album like that? I was like, yeah, dude. But uh, <laughs> yeah, it's just such a monster. And the reason that I, one thing that I want everybody to be clear about, and you should know this too, Ian. The reason that I got it the first time you did is because my shit don't stink. Oh, okay. Thank you. What do you think of the next song, Primal Conquering Sledge? Oh, man. The the memories I have to this, pummeling. I mean, just like, wow. Where where Cowboys, I I can see anybody could get into it. This is one, man, you gotta love the metal, and and, and you gotta love the harder shit to get into this one, because it just... It grabs you by the boo-boo and it don't let go. I mean, this is this is fucking metal. Love it. One of my favorite tracks. Yeah, it's a ripping tune, a sign of what was to come. The precision and tightness of this band was undeniable, especially on the song. Short and to the point, a perfect scorching song. The only complaint I have about this song is, remember the Pantera Project? The guy we had on our show? Yeah, 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 Chris. Yeah, yeah. I, we recorded Primal's Concrete Sledge, and it frustrated me to no end trying to sing the song. I couldn't do it. Alex Marquez ended up doing it, and Alex said, no, 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 that's you. Maybe I should play it during the show. Maybe I shouldn't, no. If you want to hear it, request it. Yeah, on I want to hear it. I want to hear it. I'll send you it, but if anybody wants to hear it, request it on the Dr. Fuck Show, and I'll play it for you. It is Alex Marquez. You do hear me. Uh, during come and be with me, but it's still me and him. Twisted. We we do a smoking. I mean, it's a smoking version. My, uh, I ain't even go there. But it, it's just a, a really killer song. Uh, I wanted to originally do thirteen steps because I figured, come on, let's 13, do something. Thirteen, thirteen, yeah. thirteen. Let's steps. do that. Let's do that. And Alex was down, but then I was. Oh, I don't want to play that, man. The drums, uh, you know, musicians, man. You know, but uh, then I said, okay, how about Primal? That was my second choice. How about Primal? But, dude, 
the vocals on the song are so difficult to sing. It was frustrating me. And I was thinking I was doing it right. And I was like, no. And I was yelling out, fuck, I'm doing it right. No, you're not. I go, fuck that. I throw down my headphones. I go in the control room. Play it back. He would play it back. I'm like, yeah, you're right. <laughs> I can't do this shit. I was so frustrated singing the song. Where I finally did it good enough. But then when I finally got the, the recording, I was like, dude, that's not me. And I was just like, no, that is you. I'm like, that's not me, dude. I think he did it, and he's just like, uh, you know, what do you call it? He just was being a dick. And uh, that's hey, it. Bro. That's hey, bro. Hey, bro. Wiki, 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 Exactly. But, yeah, okay, I'll go into the next one. The second video, uh, Psycho Holiday. Smoking fun song about just getting fucked. With those crunchy thrash riffs giving me an instant hard on. It made me as hard as this music, man. And the video is pretty much Cowboys from Hell. It's the same video. Right, right. Uh, same show. Yeah, same show. It's, but it's it's insanely good. Uh, and and it survived the Skid Row show. They probably played it at your show. After that, I've never seen them play it again. But, uh... Yeah, I love Psycho Holiday. Another great, great classic tune out here. This just is like, this whole album is like, it just doesn't let up. Every song punches you, you know? Some harder than others, and, you know, but Psycho Holiday is a fucking amazing song. I love it. What do you think? Oh, oh, fuck yeah, I love it. And I love the video, you know, and you brought up the same thing. You know, it's basically like the Cowboys, uh, you know, video. But another thing, and we've talked about this in previous Pantera episodes, Something, you know, maybe people who weren't there at the time would appreciate is you cannot underestimate how important the Pantera home videos were. Uh, you know, they had they had the you know the, the Cowboys video, the Vulgar video, and the Three video, and they were just so funny and so good and made everybody feel. Like this was your band, like you know they, they they were almost like the Bob Seger of fucking thrash, just working class party guys out having a good time, you know the road crews in on everything. I mean this, you know for a band that could play this fucking angry and pissed off, I don't think there was anybody funnier than fucking Pantera. You know it was just amazing, and I know a lot of fans that came into the band through those home videos. But this song in particular, what I love about this is it has all the different sounds of Pantera at this point in one song. Uh, you, you know, you you have the heaviness, you have melodic shit, you know, you have the musicianship of like, you know, the the the, the, the cock rock of the time. Everything mixed in like, like, and then just threw it in a fucking blender and turned it on fucking eleven. Amazing, love, love Psycho Holiday, killer song. And then we go, Heresy. then we go into Heresy. Oh man, I love this one. And to me, this one, uh, what I love is at a time when you had a lot of thrash bands. Even like you know, my beloved Testament. I love Testament, but you can hear a lot of Metallica in Testament. Uh, this to me has like a Zetro era Exodus feel, uh, you know, and I like that. I like that it had a different fresh feel 
that didn't sound like it was a, a, a ripoff of Metallica. But to me, it had a much more like an Exodus feel to it. Even though I wasn't into Exodus at the time, when I listen to it today, man, I got, I got the fucking the double vinyl, man, and I'm fucking cleaning the house, and I got this fucking cranked up, and I was like, man. You know, it really reminds me of some fucking, you know, like, you know, like riff-wise, this could have came off of fucking, you know, Fabulous Disaster or something, you know, or, or Pleasures of the Flesh. You know, but it definitely sounded like Zetro era Exodus to me. And I really liked that it wasn't just like the 1500 ripoff of, of fucking Metallica. Even though they were friends with Metallica at this point already, uh, it just, it, 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 they took a different feel on it. I love Heresy. And, you know, I tried to think back to those, those first couple shows and, uh, it's just so hard because back then I was just like this wild eye Wadzilla, just like fucking my mind was so blown being at these shows finally, like this music I've been into for years. Now I'm going to the concerts, so I was real bad about like what songs were played because my eyes were everywhere all at once, and I wasn't even fucked up at a lot of these shows back then. You know, I was just too young. You know, I was just like, but man, my eyes would go to all the action that's going on, the bands on the stage. You know, I wasn't taking pictures. I wasn't writing down set lists. I was just, like, in the fucking moment. So, you know, I don't know if I even saw him play this, but, uh, man. You know, and it's a shame now, too, because, like, every once in a while, you'll see Phil throw out, like, a random Pantera song, but it's never anything, like, usually it's, it's like, Far Beyond On. You know, it's something off of Far Beyond or fucking uh, something off of uh, Trend Kill or, or Reinventing. But you're lucky if you get anything off of Vulgar or, you know, God forbid this album. A lot of this he just can't do anymore. Well, that's and, why he doesn't do it, you know. You know, and but, you know, again, it goes back to like how I feel about Ozzy. Uh, you know, there's so much Sabbath stuff he won't even attempt and I don't need you to sing it fucking note for note, you know? It's just, you know, just try it, you know? It's like when I saw Van Halen. Yeah, you know, I don't think Dave sounds as horrible as a lot of people say he does. But no, he does not sound, you know, he doesn't have that voice of old. But when he does the old songs, even if it's not note for note, the feeling I get and the motion I get just hearing musically, and hearing those lyrics would would mean just as much to me. It doesn't have to be note for note perfect. Just fucking try it. And uh, man, I would love to to see Phil and you know one of the fifteen thousand bands he's in pull out something like Heresy. I'd be like, holy shit, that would be amazing. What what do you think of Heresy? Love it. Uh, it's a fucking other smoking tune. I love the fucking riffs. And then it does that kind of seek and destroy P cells riff during it with salty language. <laughs> Just so cutthroat and not to be denied to anyone who loves the metal. Phil, sing, Phil still has that high pitch in his singing. No fucking around on this dude. Just grabs me by the throat and won't let go. In fact, it gets, it's still gripping, gripping me, and I just can't let it go. Even if I wanted to, but I don't. It's a fucking amazing track. Then we go to the epic 
fan favorite cemetery gates. Ooh. What can I say? A true classic. Oh, oh my God. You know, what's weird is the original video doesn't have the mellow intro. But when it was on the Demon Knight soundtrack, they released a video for that, an updated video with the intro. Uh, but not the end, I believe, is on there. Another perfect song where Dime just shines. And those screams Phil does at the end, matching the Dime high notes. Ooh, oh my God. It's just incredible. It's oh, mellow that, that, to crushing to mellow. Yeah, yeah. It's back to crushing, back to mellow. It's going back and forth. And Phil just sounds amazing on this track. And it's melodic. It's beautifully metal. What an amazing fucking band, dude. This song is oh, like, yeah. oh. And I know this this band, this song, Cemetery Gates, is very instrumental in their fame, too. Because I think this is one where I haven't met one person that loves Pantera that doesn't put this up there. And, and oh, believe yeah. it or not, I wouldn't even put it on my top five, but it's so amazing. It's such oh, an yeah. amazing song. I love it. I think it's a beautiful song. And now, in hindsight, you know, with Dime, Dime uh, being dead, it's even more, like, special, you know, now, you know? Oh, yeah. But, and kind of like We Meet Again Part 2, in a way. But, uh, yeah, I love it. What do you think? Oh, incredible. You know, and as I was listening to it today, uh, you know, you talked about the part where, you know, his screams are matching the squeal on the guitar. I mean, seriously, it just makes the hair stand up. And uh, I know this may be considered sacrilege to some people, but I don't give a fuck. Uh, I, I put it right up there with, like, Victim of Changes. No, no, I, I don't blame you. I, I, I mean, it's just like, wow. And I was, I was trying really, really fucking hard to think about this today, and I have no answer. I don't know if I ever saw them play this live. Yes, well, they did on Reinventing the Steel, but they, they they didn't do the last part. They brought it back, actually, on Reinventing the Steel. They did okay. do it when they opened for... Uh, I still got... You know what I have, and it's the coolest set list I own. It's, I have the Pantera set list when they opened for, for Skid Row, and it's a printed thing. And on the top, I don't know why it says it, it says Aaron's Coke List. And then, oh, Aaron, Aaron was... was he was part of the road crew. Okay, it said Coakley. And it had a picture of that classic picture of the four heads, Pantera, which they did use as the backdrop during the Cowboys from Hell era. You know, the, right. the four right. heads. That's right. on the actual flyer, to, uh, the actual set list. I still have it. And, uh, and yeah, Cemetery Gates is written on there, as is Pussy Tight and Whiplash from it. They did Whiplash from Metallica where Dime sang and, and, and Phil played guitar. Mind blowing. <laughs> oh man, no, that just puts a big smile on my face because I, I think of the video and I think of Aaron, because Aaron was the guy who always tried to seem so cool and he was like, "It's a give and take world." <laughs> I've been cool my whole damn oh, life. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> you know, and man, it just it makes me want to watch that DVD and I cannot believe these haven't been put out on Blu-ray yet. Yeah. You know, the I'm, best, the I'm, best, my favorite's Vulgar man. That one's just. Oh, they're God, all they're, great, but Vulgar is like the best. They're also oh God, and three when when uh, Kirk from Crowbar is fucking the Incredible Hulk and yeah, running yeah, around yeah. breaking shit. Right. Oh my God, th those God, those fucking videos, man. And uh, 
I remember I was I was really I mean I liked it, but I was really disappointed at Dime Vision. I I I, was, I, I never watched it again. I watched yeah. it once and I was like, ah. Eh. Yeah, I, I gotta revisit it. Maybe it's a grower. Yeah, I, I need to watch it again too. Because, but I think it's just. You know the, the the fucking legacy that those first three home videos yeah, and, I, and I had them all on VHS and now they have you know where you can get all three of them. I have the Blu-ray. I mean not the Blu-ray. I have the DVD that has all three of them. Yeah, um, but man, yeah, yeah. Talk about talk about something that needs to be put on Blu-ray. And unfortunately, uh, man, uh, you know, Vinny says he's got enough shit to do so many more. And hasn't done it. Yeah, that's because uh, remember it was Dime Vision Volume One. Yeah, and yeah. I guess it didn't do what he hoped, and that's why there's never been more. But you well, know, there. I mean, I saw an in, uh, recent interview where uh, Vinny says that when he has time in the future, there will be a Dime Bag solo CD where he recorded a lot of songs him singing. And I, Dime has a great voice. He sang Pussy Tight. Uh, right. I don't know if you ever heard Ray, uh, Cage in a Rage, Rage in a Cage. Uh, that's a Dimebag solo song. It's it's total Pantera, but with Dimebag singing, and he's got a great voice. So there, you know, there may be a Dimebag solo CD in the distant future because he just said they really. Because the thing is, they pretty much lived in the studio when they weren't on the road, and they recorded, recorded, recorded. Kind of like if Eddie Van Halen was to die today, he'd have more material than Hendrix and Tupac. You know what I mean? Right. Right. But, and. Uh, uh, I'll tell you another one that I, I love a lot, dude. And I'm not a country person, but I love that Rebel Meets Rebel. Yeah, I like Rebel Meets Rebel way more than Damage Plan. I know you like Damage Plan. I, I oh. can't get into that album. No, oh, I, I, I love, a love couple, Damage Plan. A couple Plan. okay songs, but no, man. To me, it was like them just trying to be contemporary. Like, I couldn't yeah. get into it. I, I, I loved it. I, I loved it, though. But Rebel Meets Rebel, man, that was a. Uh, I, I love that one. Uh, where the fuck were we? I'm getting lost. Oh, Cemetery Gates. Yeah, man. So so fucking awesome, man. It sounded it sounded so good. You know, like I said, when I was listening to it today, uh, and I, I was lucky too, man, because uh, I bought I bought uh, uh, Cowboys from Hell and uh, Far Beyond Driven on Record Store Day like years ago. When they came out on Record Store Day, I think that was like 2008, 2009. And I didn't even have a record player at the time. And when I bought my record player a few months ago, I had to go up because I was looking for records. I'm like, I know I got some more. Like, oh, fuck, they're up in the attic. I was like, oh, man, I was worried about like the heat getting to them and everything. And you could tell, like, if I wouldn't have pulled these records out, you know, before another summer, they would have been fucked. But man, I was putting on it. It sounded so goddamn good, so good. You, you know, and then I think back to like, Jesus Christ, what is this? 2017, 27 years ago, this shit came out. Yep, that's mind blowing. I fuck chickers, chicks a lot younger than that. Yeah, I know you do. <laughs> Oh man, you know, but it, 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 you know, and I, I've still got you know my original uh, Pantera CD, you know, and it's just like, you know, my original Cowboys, and it's just like, God damn, I can't believe it was that long ago. But listening to it today, it, it still gave me the same goosebumps that it did back then. 
I mean, just. Man. I want to say one thing about Cal uh, Cemetery Gates that was mind blowing to me. It has nothing to do with Pantera, actually. It's a tribute band down here called Made of Metal that they're amazing. Every time they do a tribute show, I performed with them too. I've done uh, some thrash songs. They did Metallica with them and some other stuff. But they did a Pantera tribute once. And they had this guy, Dan, who's an amazing singer, gruff singer. Uh, but usually who they have sing for them is a guy called Paolo, who I consider like, dude, I'm telling you, man, vocally, technically, one of the greatest singers I've ever heard in my life. Yeah, you told me about this guy. Uh, this guy, let me tell you, when they played, they brought him up for Cemetery Gates. And you know, at the end, when they're going back and forth, screaming, remember at the very end of Cemetery Gates where Dime hits that real high note where, where, where Phil doesn't scream? Right. Paolo hit that note. Oh. Ow. Dude, that, dude, I, I have like chills on my arm right now thinking about when he did that. Because when he hit the final note, because everybody was screaming like, wow, look at Paolo hitting all those those notes, you know? But then when Dime did the last one, I mean, when Mike, Mike Sack Mike, he did the last one, this motherfucker hit that note. And I was like, God damn, you're a freak of nature. Who he recently performed with Nico. Nico, like, was mind-blowing by him, too. But, uh, yeah, so, uh, yeah, okay, you want to go to the next one, Domination? Oh. Woo! Uh, favorite track on the album, no secret here. Uh, talk about a perfect fucking song. Uh, a, a breakdown and a riff that could only have been handed down to him by Tony Iommi. I mean, it, it's that fucking perfect. And uh, this is one thing I do remember. I'm lucky enough to remember them playing this in its entirety uh, before they change it to where it would be half domination and half hollow. Yeah. And I, I always, you know, hate's a strong word, but I was always disappointed because I would, I, I mean, I, I love hollow, but, uh, you know, I'd rather hear both of those songs in their entirety. But if I had to hear one of them in its entirety, it would definitely be fucking domination. Uh, this, I mean, this, this to me is like a, a symptom of the universe, like a fucking you know a, a supernova. It's it's that not one bad note. Every bit of it is perfect and and uh, is necessary. And they they just like metal perfect metal songs like this come around. Maybe you know you're lucky if you get one or two a fucking decade. I I, I mean the absolute pure perfection, domination. Uh, top three Pantera songs all time. Yeah, Fucking love it. You just can't get better than this. From day one, the time I bought the CD, this was my favorite track, and it still is. Uh, I ju it's just crushing, and then that breakdown at the end, and the heaviest of heavy riffs ever. Like da 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 da. Oh man. Then layered with that clean shredding solo that takes the song way over the top. It's just killer, and seriously, if I say any more things about this song, I will downgrade it. I, I, I have to stop right there. Just just leave it like that. Put it on <laughs> if you don't know it. I made a video for it, by the way. It's amazing. Oh, oh, oh yeah. I want to see it. you got to see the video, because I, I, I added a lot of the visuals of the funny, the home video to it. Oh, 
Oh, right. nice. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll put it up. Uh, okay, I'll take the next one. Shattered. Oh, man. They just don't let up, do they? That fast-ass groove is so tight. Phil bringing that full power metal era vocals on the verses. And then the, that, that, that fucking crunch in the chorus makes, makes me raise the horns, man. This is the band that came to kick ass, and that they did. They fucking shattered the competition for the most badass band of, of that time. Jesus fucking Christ, I love Pantera. Shattered is a fucking amazing, like, deep track uh, classic that they've never played live after I saw them open for Rat Child America. I love Shattered. What a great fucking song. Uh, I will say it's my least favorite, and it's still better than most bands' best. And that's how much I love this album. And I'm not... I'm not bitching about this song at all, but if I had to pick, like, my least, this would be my least, and I still love it. This, this to me, is the epitome of killer filler. But yet, I almost feel weird calling it filler, because it's so good. It just happens to be my least favorite out of the album, where I love every single fucking track. Uh, and, and you're absolutely right, it does not let up. I, I mean, just amazing and I think maybe the only reason uh, that it's my least favorite you know because I'm trying to find like why would it be my least favorite because I still I love this song so much and I think maybe it's because the length it's the second shortest song it's not as short as Primal Concrete Sledge but I think Primal Concrete Sledge is a a more well rounded song overall you know you know a better plotted out uh, but Man, it's still I like I hate to say anything negative about this one because I absolutely love it. Uh, it. Just if I had to pick a least one, you know, this would be it. But still amazing. Yes, sir. And I'll take the next one, which is Clash with Reality. Fucking love this song. A, a great deep cut. Uh, you know, this is one you really never hear anybody talk about. At least I've never seen anybody talk about. There's some other deep cuts we're getting ready to get into that I see a lot of praise for uh, but this is this is one that doesn't get brought up as much but oh my god you know it, it, it's kind of like what you just mentioned with Shattered it's like they just do not let up it's another great great fucking metal song with amazing guitars the vocals are fantastic and uh you know, I've clashed with reality a bunch of times, and I always win. Me and Rolling Rock win every time against reality. And I, 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 I love this fucking song. What do you think? Yeah, the groove, man, that riff. This is a staple to the sound of what was to come, but still has that power metal vibe to it as well. That stopped on this album. That crazy high-pitched vocal pretty much stopped. But those crazy riffs and tight rhythm section carried on to the end. Those that that crazy riff during the solo is just drop, jaw dropping, man. It's it, those insane changes keep that fast riffage going on, man. With the crazy, dude, that shit ain't easy, dude. It's an amazing fucking song. Yeah, I I, I have nothing bad to say about Flash Reality. And to tell you the truth, I don't have a least favorite on this album. 
I really don't. I, right. I, I would put Shatter right there with Clyde. I mean, I, I, I can't. I could say, all right, Domination is my favorite, but I think everything else is tied. <laughs> right, know? right. It's like, I, like I said, no, I, I feel, know, I know what you I, mean. I feel you bad still love saying it. that. Oh yeah, dude. I, I really. Yeah, I know you still love it, but it's to me, it's kind of like Domination, and the rest is number two. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> right. No, I hear you there, brother. Medicine Man's the next one. These guys just Woo! won't fucking let it go, will they? Another uh-uh. amazing <laughs> tune. They just don't like to let go of the awesome. Dime was a freak of nature on guitar. That eerie vibe during the verses makes this one a bit different than the other songs. Darker tune, but still heavy on that killer riffage. It's hard to pick my least favorite, as I said, man. This, this one is, in some ways, the most intense song for me. You know, it's another Grand Slam. It, it, you know, there's something about Medicine Man Musically, I can't really say vocally, and vocally is perfect, but musically, it's, it's to me, it's extremely intense. It's just, it has this intense aura about this song, and I think this is the most intense track on the album. I love Mason Man, what do you think? Oh, this, this would probably be like the quintessential uh, deep cut to me. Uh, on almost any album, but I, but I've seen you you know in, in the last few years I've seen a lot more appreciation, a lot more talk for this uh, song. For years I thought it was just me, like like I'm I'm the only one that really knows how amazing Medicine Man is. It's like I know better than the band because if the band knew how good this was, they would play this fucking song. Right. It it is so so fucking good, and I love that you know. From a whisper to a scream aspect of it vocally, you know, across the shores, never land, you know, and, and, and then a bad time you swear, you know, it's like, oh my god, the way he does that is just holy shit. The way he channels Rob Halford on this fucking album, you know, without plagiarizing him, and that's what I love. I mean, you. You hear the influence, and you can tell like Dime was like, "Hey, do a Halford kind of thing here," and 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 fucking a young uh, Phil Anselmo could totally rise to that fucking challenge. Uh, absolutely amazing. Uh, I know for a fact I never saw him play this live, and uh, oh my god, I would love. You know, I I wish. You know, as much as I'm not like a cover band guy, I wish there was like a great Pantera cover band that would just play deep cuts like this just so I could hear these songs again, you know? And, and that's my whole thing about the, uh, you know, like the Pantera project that Kirsten was trying to start, you know, like, hey, you know, get the surviving members together, uh, you, you know, get somebody like Zach who not only had, you know, an emotional and a personal connection with Dimebag, but yet somebody who could come close to that level of greatness but these songs need to be heard and I feel so sorry for people who weren't there you know I was much like you I saw multiple times on the same tours I would travel to see Pantera uh, you know because it was just it was so so fucking special and especially for that time like we mentioned earlier so much you know the music we love was on the decline 
And here was the band that was fucking delivering. And, and was unapologetic about it. Uh, you know, it was so real and of the people. And I feel bad for younger fans who never got a chance to hear these songs. I feel bad for people that hate them. I don't feel bad. I, I, I say fuck them. I say put them under the same gasoline as Sammy Hagar fans. Because basically, if you don't like Pantera, uh, fucking Marcus Welby. You love fucking uh, Sammy Hagar. You're the same fucking piece of shit. Your mother's a fucking whore, and 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 you deserve to die. I wish you were a kid in Syria if well, you don't least, like if you don't like fucking Pantera. At know? least their mother's a whore. I mean, it's one good thing about it. Yeah, I mean, bang the mother but kill the child. Hell yeah, I love you know? I love those slutty moms that raise Pantera haters. Mm. Uh, yeah, you I know they're I, stupid I mean, and they they look ass. I mean, seriously, does a pantater, a pantera hater, deserve to live? I don't think so. Pan, I don't think so. A pantater. Pantater, yeah, a pantater. Fuck them motherfuckers. That's what we got to call them for now on. Oh, you're a pantater. You're a goddamn <laughs> pantater, Todd, and I don't like you. Pantater, uh, Todd, even better. You're a pantater, Todd. Oh, write that down, man. Thank you, Scott Stein. You just came up with a good saying. Because of you. You know, because of, of Carrie, Carrie Finn offhandedly turned Pantera into this band. Well, you know, Scott Stein offhandedly came up with Pantater Tot. Yeah, we, we, we need to Fuck that. Full credit to Scott Stein. Pantater Tot. Yeah. People really do win on the Rock and Metal Combat Oh, podcast. shit. We're being attacked by Pantater Tots. <laughs> Hell yeah. I'm down. Yeah, let's go. <laughs> <laughs> oh shit! Good thing I caught, caught that fucking vupa, vupa. Pantater tots. Uh, <laughs> Fuck you, pantater tots, and your stupid uh, opinion metal opinion page. <laughs> oh shit! All right, let's uh, go to the next one, dude. All right, message of blood. Oh man. I fucking love Message in Blood. Uh, and and it, it's... What, what's so awesome about this is... Like, you know, the ones that were released as singles, the one everybody knows, those are all on the first side. But man, this second side is so fucking strong! It still will not let up. And your God forsake to life. Oh, I fucking love that. And I love how it goes from crunchy to like real slow and doomy. Oh, message in blood. I fucking love this shit, dude. Fuck those pantater tots. They don't know what to listen. I'll fucking smack you with a fish stick, you son of a bitch. A frozen one. <laughs> yeah, a frozen one. I ain't gonna defrost right that shit before I get to you, plantator tots. Yeah, I'll shove a frozen fish stick straight up your fucking keister, you son of a That's bitch. That's right, after I shove my cock up your mom's keister. <laughs> Thank you very much. Message of Blood, I believe, I could be wrong, but as memory serves me correct, is the only song they did not play that night from this song. Uh, oh, wow. Yeah, wow. Which, is, which is a shame, but hey, man, they're, they're, you know, they didn't play the whole album. I remember everything else. Okay. Much. They might have played it, but I don't think so. Uh, yeah, again, killer fucking riffs and the tightness of the drums and the, and the bass keep up. It's just badass. You know, Rex, I feel, is extremely underrated because he's kind of in-the-pocket type player. 
But if you right. really listen closely, there's a lot of times he follows on. I think he's amazing. You know that? Oh. What was oh, the guy? Who? What was the name of the guy that uh, produced Pantera albums? Terry Date. Terry, Terry Date. On an interview I saw, he said that Rex is his favorite bass player that he's ever recorded. So, you know, and the guy worked with Dime. So that says something. Yeah, yeah and, and I'll, I'll tell you, like I said, when, when I met uh, Rex, like I say, I'll chalk it up to a bad day. But I've always loved Rex. I loved his bass. I loved when he was down. And don't get me wrong, I love Pat Bruders, man. My buddy Pat that's in Down Now does a great job. But I was so excited when Rex joined Down because he he just brought a great feel to it. And uh, and nothing against Sexy T, but I don't even think Sexy T played on uh, on the first Down. I believe all the bass work was done by by Kirk. Right. I could be wrong. There's a lot of dispute about that, um, but yeah, I, I I love Rex's bass. You know, there's a song coming up where I'm going to talk about it. Uh, but oh man, uh, he's got a solo album coming out that I'm very yeah. uh, very very excited about, where he plays uh, you know guitar and bass, and uh, you know he's he's like, hey man, there's you know there's Skinnerd on this, there's there's that on this, and uh, the Gertzman's I, on it. Yeah, exactly. They're doing but, a cover I, of uh, of uh, what's it? What's cheese? Oh fuck, I forgot the name of the thing. Yeah, cheese uh, bugs or something. No like man, that. ants on cheese. Or I can't yeah, something like that. But uh, bugs on cheese. Bugs on cheese. Yeah. Uh, but man, no, I, I love Rex and I love what he adds and uh, you know, I'm a big fan of the second Down album. And a lot of people are uh, divided. Yeah, I, I, I'm kind of, I was disappointed, I'll be honest with you. See, see, see I, I, I got it right away. And a lot of people, you know, they wanted NOLA Part 2. And I love the different takes and the different feels that they did with that. And I, and, I mean, I'm not saying it was Rex's decision, but I love the bass on, on Down 2, A Bustle in Your Hedgerow. Uh I mean, just, I really love what he added to Down, and uh, and I love what he did with Pantera. So I'm definitely looking forward to his solo album. Uh, I didn't really get into that band he did. Uh, I saw them live and they were really good, but with Vinny apiece, right? Yeah, yeah. I, they were they were on uh, they were on the cruise. The first, yeah. Well, what was what was the name of that band? Oh, I think that Devil. In the t- title, right? Oh, Kill Devil Hill. Kill, Kill Devil, Devil Hill, yeah. They were yeah, uh, but good, good singer. Uh, I, I, I mean, I mean, you know, you know. They weren't uh, bad. They weren't bad, but yeah, I've heard it, and it's like kind of like what I said about Goat Horror. It's something that was really good live, but right. Well, I mean, it's one of those things. Like I, I've got the album. I've never listened to it in its entirety. I heard like the one single, and it didn't grab me, so I never went and checked it out. So I can't fairly say. How I feel one way or another. Well, yeah, but, I mean, uh, I, I didn't even hear that single to tell you the truth. I've heard the album, but because I, I went and looked it up on YouTube after I saw it on the boat, and I was like, eh, I liked it more live. But maybe I should I, give it more listens. But let me tell you, I haven't finished about messages live. Like I, um, I think it's a little uh, unorthodox chorus to it. You know, a bit more mid tempo, but still keeping that massive heaviness to keep right. me so interested. And I think it's as dark as Medicine Man, 
And I think it's another swing and a hit. Then we'll go into probably the most underrated, I think. As far as, like, probably the most intense guitar playing on the album. Believe Ooh. it or not, I think. The sleep. The intro, oh, yeah. intro kind of reminds me of Randy Rose. That acoustic piece. Then that mid-tempo, it takes it to... It takes it to too fucking cool, man. We will meet again, part two, kind of, you know? But even more badass. Uh, I love that song. You know, I played that on my radio show and nobody liked it. Oh, I love that song, dude. Yeah, oh, but everybody it. left during the new body count. You got weird audience. Yeah. yeah. No, but, but, no, no, but I must stress, the people that stayed rule. <laughs> well, 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 well here, here's the funny thing is, I didn't, I didn't lose the audience that was in the, uh, in the chat room. But, like, the people who were just, like, listening, uh, you know, but weren't in the chat room. So, you're only half dedicated if you're not in the chat room anyway. Oh, okay. Uh, okay. Th- they left. But, again, remember I had that uh, that, that, that little safu, that little faux pas, you know, where the, where the audio Oh, went. that's right. And it went into that, oh, my God. You didn't yeah, hear I, it. I, you didn't I, hear yeah, it, I did you? Hear it. Oh, holy shit. Maybe, I'm telling you, maybe people heard that song and that's what made them leave. That's <laughs> I, I, right, I, I forgot about that. I, I was laughing because at the time that happened, and, and it was my fault, what happened was, you know my uh, my big speaker that, that, that I got when you came and visited? Yeah. I, I was, that's what I was playing. And when that song came on, uh, you know, sometimes different MP3s have different sound levels. It was so high, I had to turn it down and I hit the wrong button, and when I changed it, it fucked up Sam because Sam registers whatever you're using as an output. Right. So that was that was a mistake I made. It wasn't nobody fucking with my show. It was a mistake I made. But I was laughing because Scott Green was in was in the chat room at the time, and everybody's bitching. And I know this is some shit that Scott Green programmed. <laughs> you that chest beater music. Oh my god. Well, what was, was it? Do you know what band it was? I never heard. It sounded like your regular, I'm a tough guy, I wish I was Phil Anselmo, beating my chest, gruff, dude, I can't stand, I can't uh, stand music like that, dude. See, when Phil Anselmo did it, it, it had some kind of aura to it, where these guys do it, it's like, shut up. I hate when people do that, and it's just so, it was so typically generic chest-beating metal that, that's what I call it. I call it chest-beating metal. And, and it wasn't just you, quite a few people No, said, I know, everybody oh, was saying shit. it. Everybody, everybody was like, what is this shit? And, and living proof of why Scott Green needs to let you and me pick the auto-DJ music. <laughs> yeah, well, well, that's, well a, uh, that's his but, call. Well, here's. Proof I'm not enough. even gonna talk about that guy. No, no. Well, here's here's proof enough. I want I want to say this for our fans. Now, here here's the thing, and, and this does bother me a little bit. We have such a huge following for for the Rock and Metal Combat podcast, but we I would say we don't even get like four percent of you that listen to our live shows. Yeah. And, and we put a lot of work into them. And I understand everybody has different schedules and stuff like that. But you people who love us, man, that's what you get on these radio yeah, shows. Yeah. And, 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 and both of our shows couldn't be more different, but yet they're both awesome in their own way. And if yeah. you like the show, I truly believe you would like both of our shows. 
but it, it's such a small audience. But Ralph, when he does his shows on Thursday nights, sometimes he'll go to bed and just leave songs that he picked to play. So it's not like, you know, you hear Ralph talk and his jokes and all, you know, his witty stories and shit like that. It's just awesome music that Ralph picks. That shit gets a higher rating than most DJs on the station. So that just shows you what awesome music Ralph picks for his radio show. So I encourage a lot of you that listen to the show, check out our radio shows. Well, I don't mean to brag, but I get higher ratings than everybody on the metal station except for you. We flip-flop. Yeah, we flip like like I I I won this week and it's the first time I've won in like four months. You, you know, well, yeah. And, and then all those four months was me. But but yeah. but those four months I beat you by what a half a point. You know, it's not not hey, by well, much. Well, so, so, some weeks you, you cream me and and other weeks it was close. But it don't, it, dude. I mean, I mean, if you win, it's like me winning because yeah, we're, yeah, we're the fingers on the, on, the, on the same fist. So. I feel the same way. And you know <laughs> what? And, and I really do uh, attribute and fuck it. I don't care. Fire me. I don't give a fuck. I listen to, and I'm not saying the name of the DJ, but there was a lot of chess beater music. And I said, oh, no wonder, you know, because I can see how many people are listening. Now I can. And right. oh, my God. It's like nobody's listening. And it's like, and you know, if you're going to do a show of just local acts and shit, man, spread it out, man. But whatever, let them do what they do. More power to them. Maybe it'll catch on. But boy, nothing that needs to catch on with us. But right. whatever, dude. But, I, I'm not even going to go into the whole... But, I got but over I, it. I got over all the problems I was having uh, with that station. And now I just don't give a fuck if they fire me or if I stay on. I don't give a fuck. I really don't. I've gotten to the point where, dude... Here's my point. I have so many pro. I have like the greatest job in the world. I mean, they just gave me a goddamn iPhone for Christ's sakes. I have the greatest job. It's chill, but there's a couple people in my job that fuck with me and and my coworker, the night crew. Dude, the bottom line: when we walk out of that job, we make no mistakes. Everything's taken care of. Everything is perfect, and we still get shit for it. But they don't write us up. You know why they don't write us up? Because we have a union. Now, my band, I can't complain about Thrasher Die anymore, except I did have a problem recently. But my original band, I've always had problems with the band. That gives me a lot of shit. So this this out and this podcast, I had a problem with you too. And then and then I I do this fucking show, this radio show where I'm doing really good. And then I get problems too. And I'm like, you know what? Out of everything I do, the band, the job, the 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 podcast, and the radio show, sorry, dude. Sorry to say it. The radio show is the lowest priority on my list, and I am not going to let it get to me anymore. Either you fire me or keep fucking with me. I, I don't think I'm even going to care anymore. I'm not even going to put no effort unless you fuck with my show. Let me put it this way. If I'm on a show, you fuck my show, no problem. I'll turn off my computer and go out and bang some shit. I don't care. I really don't care because I have been shown such lack of respect in every fucking thing I've done, even by you, Egan. From, from uh, the podcast, from the job, from, from my bands, from the radio show that I'm not going to take it anymore unless it's my job because I need to pay my rent, unless it's my band because I love jamming, unless it's for Ian because I'm sexually attracted to you. That's yes. it. But fuck, yes. fuck that metal station. Thank you. 
Go ahead, fuck with me. See how fucking bad I get anymore. Fuck you. And, and and let me tell you something else. Anybody that doesn't listen to my radio show, if you leave if you live on the eastern side, eastern standard time, check out Kevin's Corner, baby. You'll love it. All the podcast fans, you know they'll love Kevin's Corner. My boy oh. Kevin is God. Thank oh, you. Oh, Kevin Kevin's Corner, your your show rules. I mean I mean this guy this you know, you know, uh, I'm talking about you in third person here. Uh, well, fourth person, because what I'm talking about, he banged a chick live on air. Where else do you get that on radio? I got in trouble for that, too. I, I know. I checked off on air, but I didn't tell anybody. I just breathed hard. I was telling but, her. Uh, I was telling her, say, ah, while I was throat fucking her. I was like, say, ah. She's like, ah. That was some good radio. But if, if you like the Rock and Metal Combat podcast, check out our radio shows. I'll say, uh, and I'll tell you this, too. When I throat fucked that girl on the air, you know I got laid because of that? This chick told me it was so hot and I ended up throat, throat fucking her. <laughs> oh, That's she's awesome. a stupid slut. No, no, you're a stupid fucking idiot that you don't even know how to live life, you jackass. That girl that fucking let me go down the hatch, that girl knows what life is. She's a perfect I, person. Fuck you. I, I tell you, just by knowing you, after that shit happened, somebody fucking uh, messaged me saying they wanted to fuck me because I knew you. <laughs> unfortunately, unfortunately, that person was Justin Childers. Yeah, oh, yeah. But, uh, you know, what are you going to do? That's true. What are you going to do? I well, was that's stop. I was lonely. Well, that's because I banged him and he, it was so good. And then uh, <laughs> I was like, all right, dude, I'm, I, I, I no longer listen to Van Hagar, so I can't fuck you no more. <laughs> I, I realize Van Halen's better. But anyway, going back to the sleep. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I don't think we've ever done more left turns in this song, this, this show. But uh, we'll meet again, part two, like I said. It may be the slowest of all the songs, but just as heavy. All those guitar layers is heaven to my ears. I love it. What do you think of the sleep? Oh, I, I fucking love it. To me, uh, I, I sense a lot of Judas Priest in this. I almost see it like one of the Priest... Uh, you know, Priest has those character songs, you know, like Grinder and... Uh, you know the sentinel and stuff like that, and it, the you know metal gods, and it just has that judge judge you know. So it's got that slow moving groove, and and man, when it comes to the solo on this, uh, as much as I love the Cemetery Gate solo, I think this one is almost a more beautiful solo. Uh, really good, really tasty. And it shows another side of dime, and, and that's what I love about this one. Uh, you know, and I've mentioned it mul multiple times during this review. Is is it what a bridge it is between what they were and what they were to become? So, depending on the song, you get different sides of dime uh, that go from man, that could have been on a fucking an awesome ballad, or that could have been on the thrashiest song you've ever heard. And uh, man, what a beautiful solo! on the sleep uh, great great fucking song and and again uh, reason why I want to stress to people if you just know uh, you know you're a casual Pantera fan if there is such a thing and you just know the hits the hits are in side one man go to side two and uh, you know you can't just lick the frosting you gotta eat the fucking cake motherfucker you can't get a little pregnant fuck this tip game shit go full shaft Listen to this whole fucking album. You will not be let down. The sleep kicks ass. 
Yes, sir. Take the last one. All right. Love that fucking bass uh, and the intro of this. You know what it reminds me of? Brain Dead from Exodus. Nice. Just the intro. Before the right. guitars come in, that sounds like Brain Dead. Then it goes into right, full, right. full Pantera mode. Right, and, th- and that's what I mentioned earlier is I hear some ex- some Zetro era Exodus on this. Um, and, and and when I hear that bass, you know, it reminds me of like the live album where it feels like, you hear that bass? You hear that fucking bass? You know, like, yeah, you know, one of the things I love about Rex, it's just a cool fucking intro. It's not, you know, it's not fucking like Les Claypool or anything, but it's just, it serves the song. It's a great fucking intro. And uh, not only that, I mean, just a cool song over on, o- overall, but not only that, but the breakdown riff in this, you know, that, oh man, I fucking love that shit. Like right in the middle, it just comes into that where you have to fucking bang your head to it. You know, if you don't, you're a bitch. I love that shit. You're a pat tater time. You're a potato time, and I'm gonna shove a fish, a cold fish stick, straight up your ass. Yeah. <laughs> okay, the art of shredding. What a killer way to end this one. Those killer, killer riffs, starting off mid-tempo heaviness, then speeding it up a bit. This is indeed the art of shred. And that chainsaw riffage to the killer slower groove is pretty fucking new to me at the time. It's what separated Pantera from what bands were doing up to that point. Yeah, even you, it's order. That's what I think of The Art of Shredding. And what a great way to end this perfect album. Right, Ian? Oh, fuck yeah. Uh, amazing. And, uh, man, th- th- this is was definitely a game changer. And not, not only, you know, because of what Pantera would become, but, you know, like we stressed in this episode, is this is a bridge between what they were and what they were to become, and you would never get another Pantera record that sounded like this, where I feel they kept pushing the envelope up until Reinventing the Steel. And I love Reinventing the Steel, but that was the first one where I thought they didn't take it to another level. You know, I thought that uh, album is my, that that's my second favorite Pantera album. Really? Yeah. Wow. And, and it was at one point my favorite, but you know me, I'm a fickle fuck. Uh, Far Beyond Driven, then Reinventing is my, my two favorite. Though there is wow. one song I don't like on it. I don't remember the name, but it's the one that goes... It's like the fourth song. The one after Yesterday Don't Mean Shit. But I love the rest of that album. Cast the uh, Shadow. Oh, no, no I, I love it, but what I'm saying, it, it seems like they kept stretching, you know taking it up a notch like yeah they didn't you know, they didn't they didn't uh go go further yes i know what you mean right right but uh, yeah yeah definitely and i know some people that flat out just don't like that album yeah uh, I, I i do i do love the album but it's like man you know vulgar was so different than this and then, and then with fucking uh you know far beyond was even fucking heavier and then southern trend kill to me i i sometimes that's my thing just because i love the experimentation on that. I mean, it's almost like they're they're Sergeant Pepper because it's so all over the map. But I saw that as a way to like, uh, you know, you can't out heavy far beyond driven. But but Southern Trent Kill was a way to take it into other areas where I saw uh, 
you know, reinventing the steel is like, I've heard it before, but I like it. You know, it just was, it didn't change anything. And I think like, man, the next album I know would have been fucking, you know, would have excelled and unfortunately it never happened. But, uh, man, what a great album. And, uh, this was released July 24th, 1990. Uh, I want to say I discovered it probably around August or September and uh, changed my life. So I want to thank Bo Handy, uh, Matt Thiessen for turning me on to this shit. And, uh, you know, because for a short while before they became famous, you know, I was part of that little in-click that, that knew the greatness of Pantera that lived outside of Texas. <laughs> so uh, produced by Terry Date. Uh, one of my all-time favorite uh, metal producers. Uh, this is definitely, definitely a game changer and a classic. And uh, man, well, what a! I was so excited to do this review, and I think we did a damn good job. Yes, sir. All right, give a little backstory, or did you already? Yeah, that's 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 pretty much what I got. We've talked about, you know, how they were signed. But let's go into Pick of the Week. Do you have a Pick of the Week round? I sure do. We, 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 we touched upon it earlier. My Pick of the Week is the second S.O.D. album, Bigger Than the Devil. And uh, I love that album a lot. I'm not too crazy about the first two songs. The first song is very Pantera-ish, but hey, man, people that are listening to this, if you haven't heard the second S.O.D., check it out. You may like that those first two songs. I think that the rest of the album stays true to the Pantera, I mean, to the S.O.D., uh, speak English or Die. Yes, there are a couple weird tracks like Frankenstein and his horse and, and you know, uh, Every Tiny Molecule and stuff like that. But, but, Frankenstein and his horse. horse. Yeah, I love that shit. <laughs> Charlie Don't Cheat, Cheat is such a great song. The song that don't go fast. I mean, it's, yeah. it's got so many great songs on there. And, uh, you know, King at the King, King Diamond at a Burger, Burger King drive through I'd like a waffle with no pickles. I'll take it to God. An apple pie, I'll take it to God. Yeah, I love that shit. <laughs> Evil is in. It's probably my favorite track on there. Uh, love it. And and you get to hear the original, what what was meant to be Aren't You Hungry? Not that travesty that Ian likes called Imitation of Life. Uh, <laughs> which they did Aren't You Hungry on MOD. Uh, they changed the music around. And it's still awesome, but... And, and I don't know. I can't tell you which one I like more because I love the MOD version. But school know, bus, school bus. Yeah, school bus. No. <laughs> God, I love that fucking album. And I saw this one; it was just mind blowing. Uh, my pick of the week: Bigger Than Devil, SOD. Nice. All right. Well, my pick of the week we touched on earlier too, and uh, that is the second album from Down: A Bustle in Your Hedgerow. Uh, they definitely. You know, where Nola, yeah, I mean, it's just pure, unadulterated Sabbath worship. And it's perfect for what it is. I, I think on the second one, it, you know, it's funny that they titled that because I think you hear uh, more of a Zeppelin influence on that one because there is much more, uh, you know, broadening of the sounds. And there's still stuff that's like, you know, there's stuff that's heavier than what's on the first album, and there's stuff that's a lot lighter. But I think it has a great mixture. I think it's a misunderstood album. Uh, but it, but it's to me, it's one where there's a problem. When the first one's that fucking good and that perfect, no matter what you do for the second, you know, if you were to try to repeat it, 
you'll be called a copycat if you stray too far. Oh, this isn't what I wanted. Uh, I don't know if they could have made anybody happy other than me and then a few friends that I know. Uh, but I, I think even people who didn't like that initially, go back and check that out because I think it is a, a fantastic album. I think it's their second best album. And I'm, I, I love every down release. I, I love three. I love the EPs. Oh, I love uh, that purple EP. Yeah. I, Witch Tripper. Oh, my God. Oh, yeah. Witch Tripper's amazing. I love that I, song. You know, I, I love the live album. Uh, you know, uh, just I, I think they're a great band and a great bunch of guys. You know, I, I've met almost all of them. And shit, actually, I think I did meet all of them. Uh, yeah, I have. Uh, and, and they're all great people. And, and they love fucking metal. And they love you fans. So uh, check out Down 2 a Bustle in Your Hedge Grove. That is my pick of the week. All right, well, then we go into Fan of the Week, and Fan of the Week is the man who paid for this amazing episode. My boy. Put his money where his mouth is. You're so lucky you got to meet him twice. I'm hoping, I believe he is making the trip to Nashville. Yeah. So I I will be very excited to meet him. But Scott and we, have Stein, to have, we have to have dinner with him because it's become a ritual. Uh, when we met him in Washington, we had dinner with him, and, uh, and, and in New York, we had dinner with him. So we got to have dinner with him. Awesome. Uh, you know, and if, if you don't have enough money to, to take us out, we can go back to our hotel and just eat pantater tots and fish sticks. And dude, you've been crashing our hotel room. Yeah, oh, shit. You don't sleep on the floor, don't worry. There you go. Yeah, yeah. the floor. I'll be lucky to find the room. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, but Scott, uh, we appreciate it so much, and I want to stress to the other listeners out there, until we have fully reached... Uh, our goal, which is 10,000. We're hovering around 5,000 right now. Uh, you know, we have our perks up. For $20, you, you get, not only do you get admission into the Rocket Pod Expo, uh, but you get to go an hour early. For 35 you get in an hour early plus a t-shirt. And also for $20, we'll give you a CD out of our collection if you want one. I've had some people say they don't even want one. They just want to donate money. Hey, that's cool. But for $40, you could pick a hard rock or metal episode. That's what Scott did. Uh, you know, and, and we thank you and thank you for picking such an awesome album. For 60 you could pick a rock or metal album and guest on it. And for 100 you could pick any album by anybody. I mean, it doesn't have to be rock or metal. So far, we've only had one person who's done that, and we understand, dude, $100 is a lot of money. Don't get me wrong, but, I mean, that's why we made it such a, like, wow, you can do whatever. And Bushy's the only one who's done that, and uh, much to Ralph's chagrin. But uh, until we reach that 10000 we will keep this open. So if, you know, if you have the money and you can do it, and, and, and there's something you want reviewed that we haven't done, uh... Let, let us know, man, and uh, put your money down and we'll do it. Just like we did for Scott Stein, who, like I said, has been here since the beginning, always contributes to the Facebook page, always supports Ralph whenever he can. He goes and sees, you know, Thrasher die. That means everything to us, man. This guy has traveled all over. Now he's going to travel to Nashville. But that's the kind of fans we have, and we're so lucky to have you. We thank you, not only Scott Stein, but all the listeners out there. But Scott specifically, you are 
our fan of the week. Hell once, yeah. All once right. Again. Yeah, you rule, dude. Let's get into the plug, Ian. Listen to The Rock Show with Gully and Joe. Go to all the W's, Gully, G-U-L-L-Y-A-N-D-J-O-A dot U-K. 8 p.m. U.K. time, 3 p.m. Eastern. The Rock Show with Gully and Joe. Listen to it. Don't be a cunt. Ear Pillar, the podcasting and interview news site. To keep up with your favorite bands or artists and the podcasts or interviews where they appear, go to earpillar.com to find out what we're all about. You haven't listened to Mars Attacks podcast? What are you waiting for, man? Host Victor M. Ruiz brings you all types of hard rock and metal-based podcasts. You'll find everything from music-based episodes, interviews, to series such as ultra-sexy classic album series, where some of your favorite musicians, producers, journalists, and show hosts comments on the albums that push the evolutionary chains of hard rock and metal. Get with it and go to MarsAttacksRadio.com to find out more. All right, KISS Army. Since 2007, you've been getting podcast, the KISS audio fanzine for your ears. That's right, it's your podcast. Every month, the podcast crew, along with the KISS room, brings you KISS talk like no one else, whether it be roundtables, interviews with the band past and present, analysis, and great KISS fun. Hi, this is Ace Frehley, and you're listening to Podkiss. Hi, this is Bruce Kulick, and you're listening to Podkiss. The Podkiss, the KISS audio fanzine for your ears. Hey everybody, I'm Aaron. And I'm Chris. And we're from the Decibel Geek Podcast. And if you love this... Then you'll love us. That's right. Brand new episode every single Monday. You can find us on iTunes and at decibelgeek.com. And the best thing is, it's rock and roll and it's always free. Have you developed paralysis from trying to choose a movie on Netflix? Of course you have. There's too much garbage on Netflix to sift through. So join us on our podcast, We Watched It For You. We watch a bad movie every week and try to determine its watchability. We Watch It For You is for bad movie fans, B-movie fans, underground film fans, and cult movie fanatics alike. Don't miss an episode of We Watched It For You, a guide to the lesser-known movies of Netflix, available on iTunes or wherever you download your podcasts. Music's Most Diverse Podcast, starring Luke Innes. Greg Simp Bootlegs and Mr. T from Germany. New episodes released every Saturday on Podbean, Podcast Addict and iTunes. The True Alternative Podcast. Alright, well if you love this Pantera loving episode, and we know you did, come back next week when fan, longtime fan, Eric Cinnamon has a pick for us. What it is? Well, you'll have to wait and find out. But chances are you're going to love it. That's next week on the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast. This is the end.